Hey folks, Jeff Salzman here. While we're on a summer hiatus from the Daily Evolver live podcast, I want to remind you that we're still posting commentary on current events on the Daily Evolver blog, as well as stuff from the other projects we're working on that we think you'll be interested in. This week, for instance, I'd like to post an excerpt from an integral living room community call that Diane Hamilton, Carrie Patton, and I hosted last week featuring Ken Wilbur. The topic is an investigation into the realm of soul and subtle energy. We're calling it a transrational soul initiation. If you're interested in the integral living room, we post periodic conversations and we'll be hosting our next live event in Boulder this coming October. You can check out both at integrallivingroom.com. In the following excerpt, I asked Ken a question about magical thinking versus real psychic phenomena. Whether we're talking about near-death experiences, precognition, dreams, telepathic communication, bizarre synchronicities, they all defy materialistic explanation. And yet they also seem to communicate deep truth and meaning. What are we to make of this when science says no, but we intuit that something more is going on here. Listen to this clip of Ken as he clarifies the difference between pre-rational magic and transrational subtle energy and the realm of transformation. And please stay in touch. I love to hear your questions and comments. You can either jot a note or record a message on your smartphone and email it to me at jeff at dailyevolver.com. And now here, a question from me to Ken Wilbur. So I'd like to ask you about magic and how it plays yeah. out, not just in our own experience, but objectively in the world at large. And last week we had a conversation with Peter Mary, and he was telling us about work that he and some integrally informed folks in Europe are doing regarding nature spirits and sprites and fairies and a whole world of entities. And he believes that we can intervene with these spirits to create outcomes in the natural world, like making right. plants grow faster, making it rain, and so forth. Yep. Yep. And of course, this is laughed out of the room in the scientific world. What are we to make of this? Well, Houdini, the greatest musician of his time, as you know, spent the last second half of his life, he offered $25,000 to anybody that could convince him that any of those types of things were actually happening. And not a single person passed the test. The pictures that Sir Arthur Conan Doyle presented of fairies, I mean, Houdini just shredded it. It's, you, you just have to be careful because there's a tendency to want magic in our lives. And the main reason, and I'll talk now even about structural magic, it certainly includes what can look like magic in the subtle dimension. But in structural magic, there's all of this wonderment, all of this magical stuff that can happen. Kids watch Saturday cartoon superheroes because they think you really can fly through the air. You have magic powers. You can do miracles. People at the level of magic Christianity 
are in it because they want to walk on water. They want to turn water into wine. They want to raise the dead. They want to be able to do all sorts of magical feats. And there's that strong desire that, particularly as we're growing up and we go through the magic stages, if those are too rapidly or harshly or abruptly cut off, particularly if we have really rational parents or scientific parents, it can still leave an attachment to those stages. And that means an addiction. And that means a ongoing subconscious lust for real magical things. And we're willing to see things that might not be there. Now, they might be there, but there's a lot of factors that can lead us to want to see them there when they might not be. And the trick, again, is how tightly we hold on to the magic stage itself that all human beings go through. And if we want to hook it with chakras loosely, the oral stage is chakra one, the emotional sexual stage, genital stage is chakra two, and that's combined with magic. And then the third stage is when intentionality and power comes online, the third chakra, he has guts, and that's the gutsy thing to do, and so on. So magic with fantasy thinking and things like voodoo, classic magic is voodoo where you make a doll representing a real person, then stick a needle in the doll, and the real person suffers. That's pure magic. The thing representing the object is confused with the object. And then to hurt the representation of the object is the same as hurting the real object. These aren't differentiated. And that's where magic as a childhood, not actually psychic process occurs. And if people to rigidly repress that, push it away, transcend it too harshly, then they're left with a fixation to that magic drive. They're left with a tendency to see magic in the world around them because it gives them great pleasure. They're addicted to it, after all. And so they want to see it in all sorts of places. They're willing to believe evidence that to most thinking people isn't that convincing or certainly looks a little bit suspicious. You can think about the thousands of pictures of UFOs that have been <laughs> believed by many, many people, most of which look like somebody took a tin can and threw it in the air kind of thing. So there's always that tendency and we have to be really careful about that. And so whenever that can happen, then we're left with an addiction to magic. So what we want to have 
is the capacity to hold magic in awareness, but not exclusively, so that we think only in terms of magic, so that that's our actual viewpoint. We're actually looking from magic at the whole world. We're not looking from our higher levels, amber or orange or green or teal. At magic, we're looking as magic. We're looking from magic. And that's where we get identified with it. That's where it's not helpful. That's where it can be very, very misleading. Mm -hmm. And so we want to be very careful about that. We want to transcend and include magic in a way that we still have access to it. It still provides a lawn vital and all the fun, uh, juicy, uh, creative, wonderful types of things that the magic childhood stage has so that in a sense we can be childlike but not childish and be able to have a direct touch with that magic stage. But the magic stage is a stage and it was given up universally by every single group of humanity on the entire face of the planet as they move to magic mythic and then mythic and then rational and virtually, I mean, why did the original magic tribes all at mythic? If that was the idealized state, if they were really in a state of Eden, where everything was perfect, why did every single one of them give it up with no exceptions? As soon as horticultural was discovered, virtually every foraging tribe moved into horticultural. And that's because it was more effective, more efficient. The magic was supposed to accomplish things you do a rain dance and it automatically rains. After doing that for several thousand years and it was increasingly noticed that that didn't really often work, less and less faith was put in it. At Wounded Knee, a horrible example, but at Wounded Knee, the Native Americans did the ghost dance which they were certain was a magic dance that would prevent white men's bullets from killing them. And they were all mm -hmm. slaughtered. Yeah. Magic doesn't work, and that's why it was given up. How about psychic phenomena, Ken, like telepathy, precognition, remote seeing, that sort of thing? That is something different. Because first of all, that tends to happen the less a person is doing it for narcissistic reasons or egocentric reasons if they tend to you know are doing it for their own achievement or their own accomplishment they tend not to do very well on scores of psychic phenomena so in other words they have to be developed 
into higher second and third person perspectives. If they're still at first person, egocentric, they have very, very poor scores on actual psychic phenomena. Individuals that are up into third person perspectives, world-centric, fourth person perspectives, there's a great deal of evidence that certain types of paranormal phenomena do indeed occur. There's a meta-analysis of scientific tests showing that it's rather beyond doubt that there are certain paranormal events that do happen. Mm -hmm. And so those are, the evidence at least so far, is that those do indeed e exist. But that's the difference between trans-rational psychic phenomena and pre-rational magic phenomena. They're mm -hmm. different ends of the developmental spectrum. They have very different rates of success. And of course, not all psychic phenomena work, but there are some people that do tend to be gifted in that, and they're mostly, at least in that line, at the higher levels of development. Those at lower levels, doing it for personal gain, personal benefit, personal achievement, they tend to do very, very poorly. And study after study has has tended to demonstrate that fact. So what you have to be careful about is that somebody can have an experience of a truly paranormal phenomena and then they lose all critical capacity. And anything that looks paranormal, no matter how pre-rational, goofy, infantile it is, they think is real. Yeah. And they lose the capacity for judgment. They don't know how to say, okay, wait, I'm looking at this through many different perspectives. I'm looking at it carefully. It doesn't absolutely counteract or violate certain physical laws. It does appear to be including this and including that. This seems to be real. We do have studies if we are trying to look at people's capacity for thought reading or remote viewing. If it's done carefully, there is a much higher than chance success of those happening. If you have a five-year-old child do it, not very good results. So this has been the problem is that because magic and psychic look similar, they're confused. And then people stop making distinctions between them entirely. It's another version of the pre-trans fallacy. And so all of a sudden, people that have some paranormal events occur want to go back and say, everything that's not rational is paranormal. And they want to see everything that children are doing as being absolute psychic, and the evidence for that is minuscule. So we have to be careful. Yeah, we just can't ditch our discriminating awareness. I mean, it's one of the most important things we've found as we've looked at these overall capacities is there's a huge difference 
between somebody who thinks that he and he alone is Jesus Christ and somebody who realizes that he is Jesus Christ and so is everybody else. And you know what the difference is? About four different personal perspectives. <laughs> and the okay, asylums are full of people at first-person perspective that think they alone are Jesus. And saints and sages are named annually who think that they are one with Jesus and so is everybody else, and their goal is to help people realize that. That looks similar. It's at the opposite end of the spectrum. And we've got to separate those. And we've got to separate childish magic from adult psychic. Right on. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much, Ken. This has been a great Yes, certainly. Yeah. Certainly. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Thank you so much, Ken, for giving us your time. Much love to all of you. 